You're listening to the Soul Aligned Self-Care Podcast. My name is Tina Stinson and I'm your host. Today we are having a special guest on. I'm so excited. Her name is Bobby Chegwin. She's an author, a podcaster, and an advocate for the Empty Nest Mom, helping them discover what's next. Her book, The Post-Nest Plan, provides practical guidance and heartfelt wisdom to moms facing the transition of their children leaving home. Through her podcast, Fly Mom Fly, Bobby offers inspiration, support, sharing stories and insights to guide moms on their path of self-discovery and renewed purpose. With her expertise and compassionate approach, Bobby helps emptiness moms embrace the possibilities that lie ahead and find fulfillment in their post-nest lives. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Soul Aligned Self-Care Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Stinson, and we will be talking all about deep level self-care practices to help you have success in both your personal and professional life by reducing stress and anxiety and overwhelm, improving your mindset, and creating a strong, loving connection with yourself. I'll see you on the inside. Hey, Bobby, thank you for coming to the Soul Line Self-Care Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Could you just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. Well, as you can tell from my accent, I am not a native of the US. I'm from Australia, Sydney, in fact, and we've been over in the US for five years now for my husband's work. I am now an advocate, podcaster and author for The Empty Nest Mum. So I am making it my mission in life to have no empty nest mum left behind and to build a community of support, care, compassion, empathy, along with tools and knowledge and resources so they don't feel like they're alone in this experience. I absolutely love that. Love it. And I love your accent. It's like one of my top favorite accents. Really? I like the Irish. I like the Scottish as well, actually, from Outlander. Yes, Scottish is my favorite, my favorite. My daughter is going to Scotland for a wedding and uh, uh, this year, I think, and I'm so insanely jealous. So I, I love what you're doing. Can you tell me what got you started in this? How, how did you start this? Oh, sure. Well, I tend to only ever be effective in the work that I'm doing if I have lived and breathed it myself. So I've been a coach for women in transition for 15 years. However, when we came over to the US, I put that business as I had known it back in Sydney aside because a whole new world was opening up here. We had built a new home. We were in a new community. We were traveling. There was so much going on. I was also putting my youngest daughter through school here. So I put it to the wayside. Then we decided that it was best for her to return to Australia after the pandemic. Now, unfortunately, she did like it here. However, she didn't feel like it was her true home. And fair enough, she spent most of her life in Australia 
her sister, my oldest daughter, is back there. She had always uh, stayed for university and to study. So she was back there. Her friends were back there. And she loves that coastal lifestyle. And here in rural Ohio, we don't really get that rural lifestyle. So when the pandemic ended, she went back home. She was about 18 and a half. And at that time, my father's health was failing. And within five months, he would also pass away in Australia. So I had these two life-defining moments that really shook me to the core. It had me quite debilitated. And it was just over a year ago that I was in bed one morning and I had woken up and I thought, how am I going to get out of bed today? And I knew that I had the strategies, the tools and techniques And I knew that I had to drag myself up out of bed and start using those from the industry that I had been in for so long. But I also knew that my most effective way of helping myself was to help other women. And I thought, no, I'm not doing this alone. That is so boring. I'm going to take other mums who are just like me along for the ride. And that's how the Inspired Empty Nest started. Oh, I absolutely love that story. And I'm very sorry about your father. Well, thank you. I I can relate. I I raised three kids by myself, and my youngest daughter graduated co- uh, high school a year early. So my two youngest left the same year. So it was like, and I I knew it was going to be hard because I had been going like a hundred miles an hour for a couple of years, um, just with the three of them and everything. My my oldest, I had a little bit of space in between, so I, I got used to my oldest being away you know, I got comfortable with that. And, uh, I, what I did was I started, I was selling real estate at the time. This is before my coaching days. And I just, I bought another business to keep myself busy. (laughs) So I was like, I'm just going to work myself to death to (laughs) distract myself from this emptiness I'm going to feel and this lack of busyness that I'm so used to. And so I just kept myself busy and I thought it worked pretty good, but in in turn, what I really needed was rest. I really did need the rest. And I learned that over time, but I can, I can completely like relate to this. Um, Have you ever run into anyone like that? Like single moms and stuff like that? Do you work with them? A lot. Yes, a lot. And it's particularly difficult because There are two things to this. Yes, it is particularly difficult because people are used to at least possibly another person in the household. We have our kids and then they go and we may have a partner then that we can speak to. Now, sometimes the interesting thing is even the partner becomes a foreigner. It's like, okay, you were dad or another mum if there are two mums in the household and it's like, but we, we're used to talking about the kids, you know. We are used to talking about uh, school runs and sports days and who's going to carpool with who and how we're going to get the kids, you know, to where they need to go. And then it's like a read, it needs to be a rediscovery of, okay, where is my partner? Because I don't really, I don't really know who you are apart from dad or another mum. Second to that, I just want to say that. The pain is pain, regardless of whether you are partnered or or not. The pain is made up of different things that will be individual to each person. But I think 
what's really important, regardless of where you live, how far away you live from your children, whether you're partnered or single, the material possessions you have or the job you have or the material possessions you don't have or the job that you don't have, every woman has a right to say, I'm not dealing with this, okay? Every woman's grief is her own for reasons that are her own Mm -hmm. and is valid. So I like to work from the arena that emptiness pain isn't a a competition. Everyone needs help in their own different ways. And we can't really totally 100% understand another person's pain because we're not walking in their shoes. But the important thing is to meet these women where they are, not where we believe we are on our journey, because there's no point if someone is figuratively on the top rung of the ladder and says, hey, life is really cool up here. Reach for my hand. I'm just going to drag you up. If we're, so to speak, on the bottom rung of the ladder, A, we don't have the energy to climb it yet. And we don't know how to climb that ladder. And we can't reach where you are because you're too far advanced on this journey. So for the ones who are doing really well, that is perfect. But walk back down to this person's level and meet them where they are because that's where you're going to be the most useful. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's okay to not be okay. Oh, for sure. So okay to just like be sad or be whatever you're feeling and being that moment and feel those feelings. Cause if you just push them down, like I did, well, I just, I kind of, uh, hid them <laughs> or whatever. Look, they- I think what you said about being busy, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. As long as we're not running from the emotions that we need to process or turning our back or just ignoring them because yeah. I know you work in the world of self-care and and we know what that can do to us on all levels if we don't process our emotions. Exactly. That's why that's why I just had to reiterate what you said and just say like it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to feel those feelings. Don't stay there forever, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, work through the feelings and feel the feelings. I I it was great being busy, but eventually, you know, I did feel that it did come to me, you know, and there was like this mixed feeling that I had of absolute, like, oh my God, I'm by myself. I was so excited because I was exhausted from raising three kids. And then at the same time, missing my kids. So I had like this woohoo, like kind of like, like when the kids go back to school after summer break kind of feeling. And then at the same time, like a sadness of not being close to them because they were all in different parts of the world, you know, literally, you know, so uh, it was, it was a lot to deal with. And I think that uh, this work is like really, really important. And I know that you just wrote a book. You just launched a book. Can you tell me about your book? Yes. So the book is called The Post-Nest Plan, and it's a proactive book where stories are shared. However, it creates a, I guess, a three-step program within the book for us to then, once we've finished it, to come out the other side with our own unique post-nest plan. And that is after first of all, becoming aware of our situation and all the emotions. And then the second part is, um, sorry, the first part is acceptance, accepting all our emotions and becoming aware of them. Then the second part is awareness. And we do a deep dive into self-inventory and getting to know yourself because we're vastly different women than we were prior to when we had kids or even when we were mothering. We are a new style of ourselves, a new version of ourselves. 
And then the next part is taking actions. So we we formulate the plan based on what brings us joy, who we are, what our values are, what our core needs are. Uh, we look at um, life skills that can be transitioned because a lot of women in this space think, oh, what am I? I was just a mum for all these years. If we didn't perhaps go out to a workplace or we weren't working from home, there are so many things that we have gained from being mothers, so many life skills that we can transition into a new venture. And the new venture is based on being of service. I think, well, I came to know that this is the one thing that we can do to take the focus away from the loss and grief and be able to nurture something else. Now, people think, okay, that just means I, I can volunteer or I can do this. It doesn't mean that you give all of yourself for no rewards and no return. From the postness plan, we're going to figure out what sparks joy within you. And if you're not ready to join a community group, start a Facebook group, start your own venture, return to work, or be an advocate, you can be of service by, and, and you'll get this, Tina, because you can be of service by self-care, self-love, learning about yourself, doing something that is good for you, because sometimes we can only start there before we are a better version of ourselves and we venture out into the world or we venture out into our new project. When our own happy tank is full, we're going to have an energetic ripple effect that goes out into the world and it's going to make family members better people. We're going to make colleagues and friends better because we are operating from a high vibrational frequency and that is of benefit to the world, whether we consciously realize that or not. So being of service can also be being of service to ourselves. And that's something not a lot of us do or consciously do or make time and the effort to do when we are working so hard to raise our kids. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're saying the words that I say over and over again. And I think this is a new mindset for women to start putting themselves first. And I, what I always say is putting yourself first isn't selfish because the world benefits from it. Because when you learn to put yourself first and take care of yourself at the highest level, you're not only teaching people how to treat you. This is, this is how we get the respect we so-called want from everybody, right? Uh, Because I hear from women all the time, oh, I wish people would stop walking all over me. I don't get any respect. Nobody appreciates me. And I'm like, well, you need to take care of yourself at the highest level to show people how to treat you. But not only that, you're modeling that behavior for everyone in your life. You're modeling that behavior for your, your, your partner, your children, maybe even your parents, uh, your friends, everybody that touches your life. And like you said, this has this ripple effect on everyone. So it is in no way, shape or form uh, selfish, you know, and I feel like this is just a mindset shift that women need to start, you know, really kind of embodying because once they start to embody that, that, I think it just makes the whole world a better place. You know, it's, that sounds very like cheesy, but I really think it really, like you said, the ripple effect, it just makes everything in everyone's lives better. Yeah. And- and if women are finding it hard to give to themselves, 
if we can reframe that and realize that we're actually giving to our children because when we're serving ourselves and we're filling our own happy tanks, our children, when they leave the nest, they want us to be happy. They want us, they want to see us thriving and enjoying life because there is for a lot of children a degree of, well, I've left home. How is mum going to do or how is dad going to do? And yeah. it creates pressure for them. I know my two girls are quite empathic. And when I wasn't doing so well, they were back in Australia and really worried about me. And it became a focus uh, for them. And they're just starting out in life. It's really good to share I believe I share with my girls when I'm grieving, but I think it's important not to not to not have that conversation because that can be really rewarding as well. So with one of my daughters, she does grieve from time to time. And we'll talk about how we really miss each other and how much fun it was when we did that. And she'll say, yeah, mum, like a lot of my friends here, they'll go out for coffee with their mums. And I really miss that. And I can acknowledge and validate her feelings. So it doesn't mean that we're just going to be stoic and never talk about it. But create, see if you can create that balance because it's fantastic to talk about real emotions and feelings because it gives others permission to share their own feelings. But at the same time, you want your kids to be seeing that you are making progress. Even if you say, well, guess what? I had four good days this week and three sucked, but I had those four <laughs> and I'm just winning. So we can do real and we don't have to pretend, but Aim to give your kids a, a version of you that is making strides. Even if you think they're, they're small steps, many small steps eventually take you a long way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm a big proponent proponent of baby steps because I, if you keep moving forward, you create big changes when you take small steps. And I am very open and honest with my kids and we're very, very close and we share everything with each other. But at the same time, I never want them to feel kind of like burdened with any of my stress or, you know, unhappiness of whatever I'm unhappy about. I don't want them to ever feel bad about those things. Um, I enjoy visiting them. My kids live in some of the coolest cities. So I'm very lucky. They picked really good cities for really? me to visit. Yeah. So it's like a, a vacation when I go visit them. Um, and I love that they're independent and they're doing well. And I also love, um, I think it's very encouraging and inspiring to look at the kids today, you know, like, so one of my daughters is like 30 and then one of my daughters is 22. And so it's definitely a different age group, but I can see the differences in between myself and my 30 year old and my 22 year old and how much more willing my youngest is to set very strong boundaries, even with me. And when she does this, uh, I'm just so proud of her. Like, for example, one day she said to me, she called me and she's like, mom, I'm walking to work. But as soon as I get like within five minutes of work, I'm going to go because I just need to decompress before I go in. Like, she's just telling me exactly what she wants, exactly what she needs. And I'm like, I love this because when I was her age, I wouldn't do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, um, I feel like I'm so proud of my kids when they talk to me and they share exactly how they're feeling and they know that they will never be judged. Um, and I feel like they stay connected to their true selves. And I feel when, when you do that, 
hopefully they can kind of bring that into adulthood with them and into parenthood so that it helps them stay connected with themselves. I feel like some of the issues that I deal with women my age and close to my age, you know, within like the 30, 50 year old range is that we lose that connection with ourselves because we give so much to everybody else. And I think setting boundaries is an important part of that. And so if you can always keep yourself and take care of yourself at the highest level and set those boundaries and protect your energy, it really keeps that connection with yourself so that as you move into these issues, I think they're easier to handle like the empty nest. Do you, do you think that's part of the issue along with the grief that you feel that these people, these women, and some men also are just completely disconnected with themselves because they put everybody else first for so many years? Definitely. And yeah, absolutely. I, I can so resonate with that. That's why I have come to know lately that the really ideal spot to start planning for this empty nest phase for me and what I've witnessed with the women I speak to seems to be around about the junior year of your child's schooling because you've got two years left. You've got two years left of them being physically in your home. However, they aren't perhaps as latched to you as they once were. They're kind of, you know, finding their feet. They may have a part-time job. They may have their driver's license. They may have a social circle that they're either out with or at least they're home and focused on rather than needing you so much all the time. So this is a wonderful opportunity for parents, I believe, while they've got a good one to two years left at home with their child to start making that post-nest plan. Because what happens is you'll start to get a real sense of self and who you are and what you want out of life. And the grief and loss will still happen. You'll still be able to process that, but you're not doing everything at once. You're not having to process the grief, loss, and the trauma of your kids going and then figuring yourself out at the same time. That's fine to do, but it'll just be a longer process perhaps. Whereas if we take this sweet spot of when our child's around about 16 in that junior year, start planning then because it's going to make the whole transition a lot easier. Oh yeah, I think that's very smart. Uh, I think I started thinking about it when my, my two youngest were seniors. I, it like, it like dawned on me. I'm like, oh my God, they're both going to be gone this year, you know? And I think the junior year is so much better because, because it gives you a chance to respond instead of just reacting to Mm -hmm. it when it happens. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's really smart. Do you have any advice uh, for these women on like, if you could offer one like quick little tip of advice for these women? to get started when they're in their junior year? Uh, what, what could they do to like ease themselves into it? Well, I think obviously the book in the book, it's all outlined what to do. However, what I do think is important is connection with other women who are about to go through this or are currently going through this. From doing a lot of research last year and asking a lot of questions to this demographic of empty nest mums, 
connection was one of the most important things. And I think we start off on a surer footing if we know we're not alone, if we know we belong somewhere, if we know that there are other people like us. I'm not weird for feeling this way. In fact, I'm a totally normal woman and I've got my tribe that understands me. So apart from all the practical steps you can take, I really suggest that you join a group such as the Inspired Empty Nest. You come into these groups, you see what's happening with other women, you see how they're progressing, what they're learning, what they're doing. And if it's none of that, you just make a friend, you know, or you have a space to say, and and we have that space um, and it's a non-judgmental space. I sometimes Facebook groups can be, antagonistic they can not be so supportive it's been my drive for this one that we are empathetic we show compassion we're not nasty we don't do judgment we just support where they are I I know it sounds like I'm a bit like a school headmistress or something but I have no time (laughs) for this I have no time for this because that's that's not supportive and if you've got stuff and aggression um, even if you say, hey, I'm going to post today because I feel great, I feel angry and I just want to let out my anger, fine, but don't do it towards another person. Come into our group and say, I'm so pissed off that my child has left and my husband's doing this and my job sucks. That's excellent. We really promote that, but don't do it towards someone else because that's not going to help them in the long, in the long run. So my, my first tip for women who are maybe at that stage where they've got one to two years left is make connections because one of the biggest comments I get is that my friendship group has now changed. I'm friends with these other women or mums, but they're not in this exact phase that I am. They're not really getting it because the kids have not left home and we came together because of extracurricular activities or because of the school and they kind of don't get me. So go where women get you. That would be my advice. I think that's very excellent advice because when we know we're not alone, it just makes so much easier. It's when we feel like, why am I feeling this way? And nobody else is, you know, when when we're in that space, it just doesn't help. You know, it kind of spirals from that point forward. I love all of this advice. And so what I would like to do is put some of the information that you shared today in the show notes. I would like to like put a link to your book and your Facebook group, because I feel like, um, like you said, these women are specifically in this Facebook group to talk about this specific thing. And I think you couldn't get more direct than that. I think it's the perfect place to, to go for support. But before we finish up, I would really love to ask you just a fun question that has nothing to do with anything. Okay. (laughs) So if you could have anything in the whole world with no limitations at all, so no money limitations, no life limitations, you know, no social limitations, what would it be? Free flights. Easy. My two, my children are back in Australia. And it's funny because when you were asking that question, my mind went to, to have them with me, but then that's controlling them. And I won't do that. But if I had free flights, I would just be going back and forth all the time. I get, I try to get back as much as I can, but obviously, you know, we're limited. 
with how exorbitant our life can be and our spending can be. <laughs> My husband reminds me of this. Um, but yeah, it would definitely be that because we go back to that connection. And if we do look at the six core human needs, love and connection is at the top of those. And that's one that I crave. So I would just be flying back to my girls and hanging out and creating memories. Oh my God. Absolutely. Can I just tell you that when I, I ask that question to most people I interview, when I remember to do it and it's always about travel, Isn't almost, that- almost always it's something people say different things. I did have one woman say to me that she'd like like a free pass that where she can go anywhere in the world on an airline, you know, just like an, she said an American airlines free pass to anywhere. And I'm like, Ooh, that's juicy. But yeah, I, I agree with that. That would just be absolutely wonderful to spend that time. How, how long is a flight to Australia? Well, uh, we have found the shortest route. It's going Cincinnati to Houston, two hours. Then there's just under two hours layover there, layover in Houston. And then there's a flight which is about between 15 and 17 hours. So we can get door to door in 21 hours, which I think is fantastic. So (laughs) because I've done it often enough and I've had to, I've had to wait and have long layovers. But yeah, for anyone who wants to know, it's United. Cincy via Houston straight on to Sydney and most of it's nighttime so we just sleep nice that's good that's good if I am ever going to go to Australia and I would love to go to Australia and New Zealand uh, I'm going to reach out to you I'll help you (laughs) I want to add that I think the work that you're doing is so important and I want to thank you for that oh thank you so much you the times we've chatted the last two times we've chatted just felt like you're an instant friend you're so lovely and warm and I love the work you're doing so thank you and I look forward uh, to having you on my podcast oh I look forward to that too I'm so excited about that but it was great having you on thank you for coming no worries thanks so much